Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Strategy Can Be Fun. I am one of your hosts, Keith Bergun, and with me is my co-host, Brett Lowy. Hi there. Today, we're going to be talking about Dragon Bridge, actually, a game that, uh, you know, I, I started... It, We'll talk about the. I, I want to quickly run through the history of it. Um, it started as a uh, eighteen card, card you know game jam game, and uh, within less than two months after the game jam, I was looking at the timeline today, and it was. Let's see, I have it written down here. On July thirty first of twenty nineteen. I started, uh, we we ran the game jam, or rather I announced that, yeah, oh, it was a few weeks before that. Okay, so it was actually July, like, uh, 14th or so. So so it was about two months. Okay, so here's the timeline. In uh, mid-July, we started an 18-card strategy game jam uh, for the KB Games community, and that was actually the most popular and successful game jam we've ever run at that community still and it was our first one i'd like to do another 18 card uh strategy game jam sometime that would be fun but it was really popular we got 14 games submitted which is like that's not not 14 signups 14 games submitted and so that's really awesome um and one of those was dragon bridge and uh yeah, and then within two, uh, just about two months, uh, the Kickstarter for it went went live, which is wild. Um, and uh, so that's kind of the history of the game. And then you know we did the Kickstarter; it passed. Uh, it was a very small Kickstarter, like three three thousand dollars, I think, was our goal, and just a small print run. The game was also supposed to be very cheap. It was supposed to be a tuck box game, um, and. Yeah, uh, but 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 and it finally came out. It was uh, held back a little bit during COVID because the shipping was all screwed up. Uh, but that actually kind of worked for us because we spent a lot more time doing polishing and uh, balance changes and stuff. And then uh, not much happened for Dragon Bridge between then the shipping of Dragon Bridge and recently when Brett uh, coded the BGA adaptation for Dragon Bridge, which has exploded the amount of Dragon Bridge being played. Uh, it's really fantastic uh it's like a super awesome like basically bug free uh adaptation it has almost all the characters but it has all the other content including the expansion if you want to call it that and uh yeah so we've been playing a ton recently and we thought it would be cool to do like a sort of retrospective on dragon bridge and um you know, kind of give our thoughts, our game design thoughts, like what we learned from it, and what. And Brett has been integral to the design process throughout. Um, you know, doing playtesting and really like co-designing in a, in a big way. And um, yeah, so I don't know, Brett. Does that match sort of your history of Dragon Bridge and how you see it having played out? Yeah, I think pretty much. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I, I especially it resonated with me when you're talking about. Um, there's a little bit more time in the middle there, like because of some delays for like balancing and polish stuff, I think that really helped it. I think like the core of the game for Dragon Bridge came together so fast that the majority of the development time, I think, like was spent on development, I guess, as opposed to like design. It, it felt like for me anyway. And so um I think that really really helped. It it feels very solid and and uh resilient or durable or something like that. 
Yeah, that's that is one of the weird things about Dragon Bridge, uh, especially for me as a designer, like you've seen my design process over the years. And like, I'm very, very iterative with the system, um, like to a frustrating degree, like it, it definitely seems. And, you know, I've also had at least one situation in my life with uh, Escape the Omnocronom where, you know, and Push the Lane, uh, which were that's all one game but it just had multiple titles where i was like on this like track of iteration for like three years and basically didn't come up with anything um and so it's a scary it's a scary thing whereas dragon bridge is like the furthest thing from that it was like literally i designed it i think like almost the very first version i made or something like was very comparable to the version that we have now in terms of the systemic rules which I, I I've never ever had that happen before, and that does mean that yeah, now you can just iterate on the balance and the you know the components and smaller rules like supporting mechanisms and things like that. Um, and yeah, that that's I I don't I don't exactly know. I mean I I've definitely witnessed that property of creativity before like coming from music and coming from visual art. Um, you know there is this thing where like. A lot of times a visual artist will like do a sketch and the sketch looks amazing and then they like hone the sketch and then they like redraw it kind of like with like finer lines and stuff and it loses a lot. Um, and there's like a certain magic sometimes to like improvised music that sometimes heavily composed music can lose. So there's like a weird... There's a weird dynamic there and I guess maybe as I'm... I'm just sort of thinking this as I'm as I'm talking, but, you know, for, for a designer like me who is very like cerebral and iterative and stuff, it's probably a really healthy, um, uh, like approach to be like, I'm just going to like design some new system from scratch, you know, uh, in the next like 10 minutes, you know, just go. Right, uh, right. yeah. And so, and that was, that, that was very, that really worked. Um, I think with Dragon Bridge, I'm not sure that it would always work, but that does seem like maybe a good approach. Yeah, it's like uh, I've been thinking recently about like the analogy of like throwing up the framing of a house and then sanding it. And so, mm -hmm. like, yeah, this game got a lot more sanding than uh, you know a lot of even the Brain Good games are like that too. Like, I, I, I tend to, <laughs> I think with the Brain Good games, I tend to like throw together the framing of the house and then polish it for a little bit and then just release them so sure um, this, this one got a lot more sanding than even that uh yeah yeah I, I sort of think that's the the ideal situation is like kind of what happened with dragon bridge where you get the basic system down right away and then you just basically just just you know uh gravy from there in terms of uh you know uh balance and 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 supporting mechanisms i think we should probably talk a little bit about what dragon bridge is because uh, maybe yeah. not everyone listening uh fully knows about the game you can go play it now um for free on board game arena uh it's in beta which means it's very easy to access you just search dragon bridge on board game arena and you will find it um but i'll just i'm not going to give a whole rules explanation but just to kind of give you like a sense for what kind of game this is it's a two-player card game uh where you have a track of tiles so like a one by i always forget the number it's like 19 i think um tiles and um on either side are these red tiles and the, there's a dragon on one end of the board and basically you can win by either uh sort of bumping the opponent into that dragon or by escaping off the other edge uh the other side and 
so that's sort of the basic basic structure of the game it's a little bit like um a, a much more complex like reiner knizia's and guard um but uh yeah and uh the the important thing is that the dragon can switch sides um and you have a little bit of control over that but it's kind of like shared control with your opponents so you don't have full control over that and also uh there's asymmetry asymmetric characters like you know that have different powers um and yeah that's pretty much it uh i think as like an overview of the rules or do you think there's other rules that we should uh let, tell people about i think that's the, the most important part okay yeah and i was kind of really going for a like I've always had this fantasy of a little card game in your pocket. This kind of comes from some of the Serlin games, like Yomi in particular. I remember I have this one thing. I, there was two times in my life I remember with I, where I had Yomi in my pocket uh, with two decks, you know, two characters. It was like Grave and Jaina or something. And one time I was like stuck in an Olive Garden waiting for a table or something, and we just like busted it out on the on the. Uh, like on the bench while we were waiting and played Yomi. And like, that was really cool. Another time I was at some college event and uh, I met someone who was like, Oh yeah, I know Yomi. And like we play, and then I was like, here it is. Boom. And we just slammed down on the table and played against each other. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Like that's a really cool fantasy. I think of like a, a portable strategy game experience. And so I wanted to make something like that, but more strategy ish, like more, um, I don't know how to put it like less, less like, a. Yomi. I don't know. Just, I guess you will. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Less Yomi and more, I don't know, like Euro game is not the right, I guess, designer board game. Uh, sure. maybe I'd way I'd put it, um, you know, more resources, a little bit more. You're like building a little bit of a tableau. There's like stuff going on. And like, how do we do that while also having it be a thing that can fit in your pocket as like a tuck box game? And that was kind of the original starting concept for the game. And um, yeah, that, that limitation is really interesting because it caused a lot of good game design stuff. And it also caused some like eh, game design things and some like really bad production uh issues like uh or development issues perhaps you would say um and we could talk about some of those things it's almost like you want to like have like these extremely uh stringent restrictions as you're designing the first thing and then like at some point when you feel like you're you know arbitrarily like 80 percent of the way through the core systems design or something like you start like gradually releasing those restrictions or something yeah <laughs> Maybe, might be an, an interesting technique i was just i'm just thinking about this now uh, like you know, like you have those those restrictions so that you like get something done and made, right? Like to spawn the creativity. But then, like at the end, you'll notice some ways where the restrictions have actually hurt you rather than like guided you. And then, so you can, you know, flaunt the restrictions at that point rather than right. just being in the sea of, you know, blank page syndrome or whatever. Yeah, I think I would bet you that there is already some theory existing in terms of like production schedule stuff that has some kind of relationship with this. Like that something I, I my first metaphor I thought of was like gas and brakes, you know, that like you have like a phase where, OK, the brakes are on and we're like we are constrained by this. And then you have this other phase where you're like, OK, you know, pie in the sky, do whatever, you know, and then you sort of like iterate and bounce between those. Um, and I do think, yeah, there is something to that, because like so 
uh, earlier this year when I got started on Spellstorm development, it originally was going to be Dragon Bridge 2. And I right. wanted to make like, okay, this is like the unleashed Dragon Bridge. So it's like the big box, you know, uh, much better components um, and fixing all of those like design issues um, or, you know, not design in terms of rules, but design in terms of like, you know, one of the awkward things about Dragon Bridge as it is now as a physical game is... So you have the, 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 this, I told you about this one by 19, um, like grid of tiles and you're moving your characters up and down that, but because it was all having to fit into a tuck box, um, there wouldn't be room for something like a little standy or like a pawn or something like that. So you actually have a card that has an arrow on it that goes to the side of the bridge. And that's like, it's just very awkward. And, it, and you often have these situations where you're like, oh, wait, which tile am I on? Am I on this tile or this tile? Like that happens very often. Um, Captain, one of the top players of Dragon Bridge, has also reported that the backs of his wizard cards are like completely scuffed off because of he's been sliding them so much. That's um, cool. Yeah, uh, that. that is really cool, but it's also like uh, maybe not like the best, yeah. you know, design. Um, for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so yeah. There's and anyway, during the production of that, when I started Spellstorm, which when it was Dragon Bridge Two, I was like, oh my god, there's so much stuff that is just like if you don't have that tuck box restriction, is just dumb. And one of those is like yeah, have a pawn or something or like a little standee that you can like move around on the bridge like that. That makes it aesthetically a million times better. Right. You get a little bit of the three dimensional aspect to it. And yeah, yeah. easier to track. It's just more like ergonomic and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I feel like I've talked a lot. Do you have um, some stuff you want to uh, raise? I still have a bunch more stuff to talk about, but I just want to give you an opportunity to throw in some of your things you wanted to talk about. Sure. Well, like one of the, I don't have like a formal list or anything, but um, I'll, I'll go through a couple of things that I, I really like about Dragon Bridge uh, that I think it does well. Like one thing is that um, I think it has like a really high uh, degree of like content efficiency. Like it doesn't have a whole ton of content exactly uh, in terms of like raw numbers of cards compared to a lot of other games. So like, I think there's like 17 cards in the, the action deck that both players share and draw cards from. Um, there's currently like eight characters developed on BGA. I, I don't know. How, I think there's like 15, 15 total. total. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's like eight ish items and eight ish bridge hacks. Basically. I think there's nine um, and nine if I recall correctly, okay. but maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. So right around that number, right around that scale. Um, and so it's not like a ton of raw content, but one of the things that the game does really well is like it uses that content to its fullest extent. Um, so you're only drawing three items and three bridge hacks at the beginning of every game. Um, uh, and then you're both choosing a character and you both draw four cards. And so, like, you're just seeing, like, a, a healthy percentage of each type of content each game. Um, and so, like, you really get the maximum out of, like, the mixing and matching combinatorics of all those different content vectors, basically. Like, you know, if you're choosing three bridge hacks, three items, four cards each, and one character each, like that's a whole lot of input variance for each game, right? Um, mm -hmm. Out of a, a relatively small amount of content, and so I really like that about it. 
Yeah, I do think it's very elegant in that sense. And, and like even like the basic action cards, like if a card says, you know, bump two, um, that means a very different thing depending on where you are on the board. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's one card called Gale, which is like it's not one of the rock star cards of the of the deck. It's like, yeah. you know, it's kind of um, a lot of times yep. it, it feels type of card. Exactly. Yeah. It's a bump two. Plus, it allows you to move your character one space in the same direction. And um, uh, it's, but it's optional. You don't have to move yourself uh, a one tile in, the, in that direction. There's so many situations where that combination of moves means something different. Um, you know, like you could sometimes use that to help yourself survive if you're getting knocked into the dragon. Uh, that one extra space could be the difference between life and death. And whereas it might be meaningless, or it might be like, um, you know, it might it just it, like there's so that's what I'm saying. Like even just something as simple as a card that says bump two, or you know, bump two and move one, or whatever, or dash two. Uh, they they all have different meanings based on where your character is based on the context of the game. So like every, yeah. yeah, all the things are pretty deeply contextualized by that grid, I guess. Right. Yeah. That kind of leads pretty well into my next point. Like, um, I feel like this game could have very easily been very mathy. Um, like you have like the, the, the 19 or long grid, and then you interact with it by like bumping integer, integer numbers and teleporting integer numbers and moving integer numbers. Um, and I, so I feel like it could have very easily become like a, you know, I move you two spaces forward, you move three spaces back type of thing. And so like a lot of counting and just raw efficiency or whatever, uh, like an optimization puzzle, basically. Mm -hmm. But I think it actually avoids that trap really well by um, using a lot of like situ situationality, like you're talking about, like or contextuality. So like, like the value of two bump fluctuates wildly depending on the situation. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is like, it's it's hard to compare the different uh, a lot of the different things in the game. So, for example, it's difficult to compare whether it's better to bump you two towards the dragon or whether it's better to, for me to move two towards the escape zone. For example, right. yeah. Um, so it's still two, but it, it, it's incomparable in that way, right? And then, like, as another example, um, well, one one thing that really shines light on this directly in the games like you get the one of the primary resources is the green gems um uh and during your gem phase on your turn you can spend a green gem to teleport to and so the fact that that decision is not always the same is a good example of how it's it's hard to compare like even the most basic resource in the game to like the most basic action in the game like move two spaces it's hard to decide whether that's what you want in a, in a given scenario. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that, and a big part of that is what you said, that whole the, the dragon switching sides thing, and do I want to go for the escape? Because the, a big dynamic that happens throughout the game is I'm running for the exit for to do an escape, but now they've switched the dragon to switch sides, and now all that progress that I made towards escaping has now become negative progress towards dying. You know what I mean? Right. So then you're comparing, like, board position versus like economy of gems um versus like uh yeah like the nest control uh so deciding whether the dragon is going to fly or not so those are kind of like the three core things i think that you're comparing mm -hmm. between and then like they all have like further expressions a little bit like um 
for example, the the if you're going for bridge control with the bridge hack expansion, you're also getting like if you're bumping, you're also getting white gems, which is contributing to like doing a big turn at some point. Um, uh, or if you're going for like raw econ plays, then you're kind of contributing to like getting more of the items and c- kind of like moving towards the win in that way. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it's just it does a really good job of keeping those things kind of fuzzy and incomparable uh, because of the balancing act between those three things, like the the board position, the economy, and the nest control. Yeah, I also think there's a there's a like I don't like card counting, but there's a soft card counting in this game yep. where yep. you know it's a, like we said it's a small deck. I think it's 19 cards. It's somewhere in that ballpark or or 22 cards or something like that. Um, I remember there was originally like 19, and then we added two more like very late in development when we added checkmate and something else. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, there's there's some number around that number of cards, and um, there's a there's a couple of cards that there's two copies of charge and the aforementioned gale. But then there's a bunch of unique cards, and there's only one copy of each of those. So and one of those, that, and there's like there's like two or three of those that you really need to keep an eye on, and like kind of. Uh, no, like, okay, has that card already been played? Has that card... Do I have that card? Um, you know, do I, do I see my opponent's hand because of something I've done and that maybe it's in their hand? Maybe it's the dragon power and it's out of play? So there's, like, yeah. a bunch of different places where cards can be and you can kind of... But there's only a few cards that, you, like, you really need to know, like, where they are. So I think it, it's a pretty good balance in terms of... Um, like I wouldn't say card counting. That's not really the right term for it. But just like card card position knowledge. You know, like wh- where are certain cards that are important, like vitally important. And that's another interesting thing is that like for a given moment, there's usually one card or two cards that you really care about. Like you know, yep. right? Like almost always, you kind of care about fireball because that's a bump five. It's the only bump five in the game. But there's also situations where it's like okay. Where's bait? Because bait yeah. is the only card that uh, it's the strongest card in terms of flipping the dragon, making the dragon switch to the other side. Um, and so there are situations where you're like, the dragon's going to stay where it is unless the opponent has bait right now. Um, right. And so do I, you know? So there's there's such like these contextually speaking, there's these moments where. You know, a certain card's important, and you can very quickly um, look and see if um, if that card is in play or where it is. Another that brings me to another nice thing about the game is that there's no discard pile in this game. Um, yeah. I think that I, I think that I I had played a lot of games where you want to look through players' discards. Um, mm. And, like, you know, Puzzle Strike is one of my favorite games of all time. And in that game, it's very important that you look through the player's, the opponent's discard um, pretty frequently. And there was something always kind of a little bit awkward to me about that. Like, it just feels like, like, okay, yeah, I guess you have to do that. But it's it almost feels like you shouldn't be able to or, like, yeah. there, it's in this weird space design-wise. So that's, that's where, like, the nest kind of came in. So when you play action cards in Dragon Bridge... They don't go to a discard. There is no discard. Instead, there's a face-up like row of cards called the Nest, and each card has a number of like wing dragon wing icons on it, and that number determines whether the dragon's going to switch or not. So you're you're always looking back at that Nest, those list of played cards, which I think has a bunch of different um, 
benefits. Like it's really, it's kind of nice having this little record of the cards that were played, um, both for the aforementioned, you know, um, sort of card counting kind of thing. Like, oh, okay, he played Fireball, so I don't have to worry there about that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it, yeah. Yeah, and then also uh, you don't have that weird like, oh, can I look through the discard? Kind of weird feeling. Uh, and um, and then of course you know the the dragon control, the nest control kind of dynamic that's there. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like that old canard about like, you don't want to incentivize the players to do something that's not that fun. Right. Like, you know, looking through somebody's discard does give you a competitive advantage, but like, I don't know how fun that is. You know, it's kind of, it feels kind of like work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or it's like if, well, actually here's a way to put it. If the discard is public information, then why isn't it just face up in a big row, like splayed out? Right. Like why is it in a pile? That that yeah, might even like, be the aesthetic yeah. problem with it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or it's almost like uh, I always think of Caverna, like where it has you know all the the tiles like laid out in this big grid, and it's like should I just be like meticulously combing through all these whatever thirty tiles and like reading all their abilities to make the optimal decision? Or yeah. am I supposed to kind of like not do that at some point? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I do like, think it's not being explicit about like what you know you're meant to do to play well or whatever. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The, 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 it's the rule book should, uh, just confirm what the game is telling you kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. principle. So, yeah, I think that like, uh, yeah, between you were mentioning that, like, there's all these things that kind of create context. Like you have your player power, you have which items are out, you have, uh, which bridge hacks are out, you have what cards are in my hand. You also have, um, the dragon power, which is this other thing that also modifies, um, states. It's not as powerful or as impactful usually as those other ones but it can be um so for example one of them makes or actually several of them make it harder for the dragon to switch sides um and so that now shifts the dynamic and that means that that card i was telling you about before the gale card now is like kind of a different card a little bit in that context right like every so that that that's a cool like game design uh thing is like you take these simple things and then you layer them with this other thing that creates this combinatorial um, set of possible differences or, you know, um, variations, I guess, on that card. So there's not just Gale in the game. There's Gale when the dragon power is this. There's Gale when the items are that. And, you know, they all are a little bit different. So I think it's it's a good... um, I, I do think that Dragon Bridge is a weird game for me, but also, like, it, it actually is um, pretty, I think, emblematic of a lot of the things that I value in um, in strategy game design. Like, um, right. like, like uh, another thing that we haven't really talked about is that um, it's, it's, I really value, and I'm noticing this a lot with the Spellstorm design, um, smoothness. We, we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that with Gem Wizards tactics, which I, I actually don't think is a terribly smooth game. I think overall it's actually, especially while you're learning, it's, it's a little bit chunky. Um, it, it gets smoother as you go. And we did make a lot of efforts to make it smoother, but, um, I just value smoothness. Like I really, um, one of the examples, uh, in gem wizards tactics is the new fog of war, which just, um, kind of like covers most of the map in just pure white, you know, clouds. And some of that's aesthetic. I just think it looks better than having a bunch of like darkened tiles where you have all this information staring you down. Kind of like your caverna thing where, 
you're just looking at this like gigantic amount of information and um so one of the things that was important with uh well well that the idea with the the the, just to finish that thought uh the gem wizards clouds is just block this stuff off put a bunch of solid color over all of it and you know free up the players like brain and eyes and vision for for like the things that are right in front of them and and so in card games i think a lot of the times it's you know the cards in your hand are the thing that the player is really really focusing on um and that's kind of a nice thing about card games is that i just have to look at the cards in my hand and then like you know maybe some stuff on the board as well but like it's really focused around that cards in my hand kind of thing and so dragon bridge i think does really well on that smoothness front um you know, probably after you've played a little bit, it's it's not the most simple game in the world or anything. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that Dragon Bridge is is a, is smooth? Would you say it is, or not so much? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think it's very smooth. Um, and I completely agree with that as being a, a big goal for me too, design wise. Like, you you kind of want players to get into a flow, right? Like you you know, some games kind of like end up being very stop and starty. Um, like whether you're checking a rule. Or you're having to analyze like too big of a chunk of information, like you're talking about with the fog of war limitations, or you're just having to manipulate a lot of components to do an action, or like in Puzzle Strike Two, we found that like there were kind of like long action chains, right, that you could kind of get lost in. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's just something that kind of like breaks you out of your intuitive, playful state, and you're suddenly, you know, either doing work or or uh, evaluating too many options or, or or whatever like you're not flowing through the game space anymore uh it stops the dance i guess is how i would put it metaphorically yeah and video games by the way are so good at at maintaining this uh sort of flow kind of smooth smoothness state in, in fact i would argue that a lot of video games like this that smoothness is almost like a large it's a very large percent of their value is that they're mm-hmm. just like smooth that they just go and that you don't really have to stop and like oh is make sure you know doing like some kind of like um you know bookkeeping or you know making sure everything is working right or or house housekeeping or whatever um and yeah so so and i think that you know for me like i started with video games video games are my like where i grew out of i only started playing board games you know in my 20s and or late 20s really and um so i'm i'm a video game aesthetically speaking i'm I'm very attracted to like video games video game aesthetics and that like sort of aesthetic of like that very smooth flow state and trying to make a strategy game that does that and that's i think there's a maybe a little bit of a rub there um uh which is not necessarily you know it's not like they're mutually exclusive or anything but it is like a design challenge to make a game that is you know deep complex um has room for creative play and also simultaneously is smooth right it's very difficult yeah uh, yeah I, I don't think it's a paradox but yeah i think it's difficult it's, i think that's like kind of one of the maybe the crux of the playfulness issue like the difficulty of making playful games like managing that those those twin desires or whatever yeah yeah yeah. would you how would you say dragon bridge fares in terms of uh playfulness well i've played it probably upwards of like 200 times now um and so it kind of depends the nuanced answer is like it depends on like where you are in 
in the amount that you've played, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, when you first start, um, there's some, like, traps that you can fall into, like, we're, like with the dragon switching or whatever, where you can kind of, like, not realize exactly the ramifications of what's happening and then just, like, lose, right? Sure, yeah. And so that, that feeling is very, like, non-playful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, I have to make sure that I don't make a huge mistake here and yes, lose or whatever, right. you know? Yeah, it's a very cutthroat feeling. Right. But then, I think in the middle, um, like, from game whatever, 20 till 100 or 150 or something like that, um, I think it was, it has been very playful. Like, mm -hmm. playing by feel, mostly, and, and uh, you know, evaluating the game state intuitively and, and very smooth that whole way. Like, because once you know the cards, like you can just, you know, you just have a feeling of like which card you want to play. And so yeah. it's like, there's something that jumps out at you and you can kind of like evaluate whether there's like an option that you're missing, mm -hmm. but there's definitely like something that's appealing to you. And even if you can't explain exactly like why it's like right now, I really seem to want white gems or whatever, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and, and it seems like them being at this spot on the board is like, really bad for me, you know, like, crisis level red or whatever, so, I'm gonna play this card. Um, uh, so yeah, for a long time in the game, it's very playful, I think, in, in the game life cycle or whatever. And then probably, like, just recently, like, it's become more, like, uh, to get, to get more of an edge, or, like, to continue improving, mm -hmm. um, I'd have to start baking in more of the counting, or... sure math or whatever that kind of thing yeah um, so I've, i think i've kind of like reached a plateau of like how far i can improve with like an intuitive mindset or a playful mindset um, yeah so that doesn't mean that i can't keep playing the game and enjoying it but it does mean like there are certain like if there if i'm playing against someone that is you know better at the game than i am then i will have to start doing that kind of thing i guess is what i'm getting at yeah, so, I, but I also do think that that's sort of a property of any, especially a turn-based game with, like, you know, um, a good amount of, like, public information, you know? Because, um, sure. like, yeah, so, I agree. I mean, my, I think that I am very limited in my skill at Dragon Bridge because I refuse, to, you know, and this is a problem I have all the time with all kinds of games, but um, I refuse to do anything but play from the hip, kind of. Like, I'm, I'm yep. just, I'd rather lose than yeah. count out the next like three or four turns like i'm not saying i never do that i once in a while i'll actually like calculate out a turn or two if I, you know usually i'll do that if i'm like i really don't know like is this gonna kill me next turn i i, I do have to calculate that out sometimes um because that's very important and you will just literally die and you know have done a boneheaded thing um so there are those situations and then like once in a while i'll be like Oh, I wonder if I can do this like weird, crazy thing. Um, you know what I mean? Like that involves like a bridge hack and involves like reshuffling an item and blah 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 and all these weird things. Um, uh, and 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 that will require some some like actual counting and calculation. Um, but I, you know, I don't. I actually don't mind counting and calculation. If this is something I'm realizing when I'm playing chess, by the way, because uh, I've been playing a lot of like chess over the past year, still don't like it, but am continuing to play it. Um, yeah, you just have like chess Stockholm syndrome now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is good actually. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I'm just, I don't. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I definitely do not enjoy it yet, but um, maybe someday I will. Um, okay. 
but uh, you enjoy chess admit it (laughs) there's good times probably here or there um but okay so what i was gonna say is uh the uh give me a second uh sorry yeah losing my train of thought here uh Oh yeah, calculation in chess. Uh, in ch- so, I, I'm learning that calculation bugs me in certain places, and it doesn't bug me in other places. Um, right. In chess, actually, it's not so much calculation that bothers me, but the the fact that every single turn you have to do the proofreading mm. and make sure that you're not doing some boneheaded, idiotic mistake. Um, right. And it's very like intense in that regard. Whereas uh, with Dragon Bridge, I mostly feel like I can just play from the hip. I don't have to do a lot of pre- proofreading on the average turn. And then once in a while... Particularly if I'm going to like do some crazy thing, uh, you know, then I'll have to do some some calculation and some like like look ahead and ma- a little bit of math type of stuff. But right. it feels first like my brain is like, okay, yeah, I'm that's fine because I'm doing this like wild thing. So it's not just I'm like moving my bishop somewhere, which like doesn't right. signal to me that like I need to do that like proofreading or calculation. Or it, lose. Right, exactly. <laughs> In Dragon Bridge when you're like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, reshuffle this item and I'm gonna play this move and do this and this that that way and also use my um you know uh, the Thunderbox and all this stuff going on and on a, on a fancy turn that you're gonna set up. That I'm like emotionally prompted to do the calculation work you know what I mean? In that context, whereas it's not just like any old turn, every single turn, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a really good point. That makes a lot of sense to me. But yeah, I I also am, I'm basically like, I, you know, so I think we, right now we have this, uh, this, uh, dragon bridge, unbeatable, uh, guy, Mundungu, who, uh, came out of nowhere, never played dragon bridge until the BGA adaptation. I don't think, um and is just crushing everybody i think we've done this is our third tournament and in the first two tournaments he went entirely undefeated in uh in in both tournaments like he literally didn't lose one match not even like a a a game but literally a match um and i suspect that part of that is that he is just willing to uh, really sit there and like calculate out the optimal move for maybe. Um, I, don't, I, also, I don't know. Yeah, there's I, like a yeah, there's like a calculation <laughs> suspicion that creeps in sometimes. You know. Yeah. Like, or, is my opponent calculating? You know. Right. Well, we, I mean, if we were to do this more formally, I guess we would have a timer, right? Like, right, right, and right. that would be part of it. Because I also that's the other thing is that Captain, I think, also does that stuff. Captain is always talking about like numbers of like you know evaluating everything, valuation uh, numbers for everything, and um, so I don't know. It's 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 interesting. Um, I guess it's hard to know what what makes someone the best at a given game, and we do have a small pool of players. But um, I suspect that Mundungu, where a lot of us are like, okay, yeah, this seems like a pretty good move. Mundungu like maybe sits there a little longer, and but I, I haven't I haven't checked that, or I don't know if there's any way we can verify that. But um, I guess we could ask him. But um, right, especially yeah. with async, like there's not even like the light social pressure of like playing a, a real time game of like, right. okay, you've taken a while on your turn. Whatever right. a while means subjectively. Oh uh, yeah, you could take days. We're all playing async games. That's true. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someday maybe we'll do a time tournament. I I think that like I think I would probably do better in a time tournament because 
you know, I, I do think that, and this is my, like, part of my vision for, like, strategy games and, like, how I want to play them and how I envision them is that, yeah, like, I just, I'm going to play from the hip and I'm just going to keep playing from the hip and over time, you know, I will grow slower than someone who's, like, you know, hard calculating stuff probably, but I will still be, like, picking things up and, like, intuitively making better decisions because I've just seen so many um loops you know i've seen so many iterations so i'll just have like this feeling that oh white gems will be important here or like you know what i mean like like because your subconscious i guess that's how i'm 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 talking about is like i want my subconscious to sort of be driving the car with strategy games a lot of the time and that's kind of a maybe a whole interesting concept for a podcast all, all on its own is like conscious versus subconscious games um and uh, I, I really want games to be, I want consciously, consciously, I want to be like having fun, sort of like engaging with the theme uh, and, you know, and and just thinking of like crazy ideas once in a while, you know, like, oh, my God, I wonder if I can blank, uh, you know, and whereas and I want all the calculation and all the work to be just happening in the background in like, you know, its own process uh, in my subconscious and just that to be informing my turn-to-turn play. You think there's a difference between that and the playfulness concept? Um, I think they're very related, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that when we talk about playfulness, I think we are sort of describing that. I think it might just be another way to describe. Uh, yeah, there's no, yeah, that's cool, too. Like, It's fun to like come to the, at a, the same idea from a bunch of different angles, too. Like That kind of demonstrates that it's like actually something that is valuable or, or that you keep you're attracted to for some reason right yeah and i also think that like um these kinds of concepts like don't convince everyone like you know yeah. uh, right and yeah. so like so that's good to have another way of framing it that sure. will convince a different person i guess um yeah for sure for sure but yeah in I, any I, case I, yeah oh, go ahead I was going to say Dragon Bridge, I think, fares pretty well, at least for me and my personal experience. You know, granted, I'm the designer, so, like, I'm definitely playing it the way that I hope people would play it. You know, there's, like, always that bias. But uh, for me, it definitely does feel pretty playful. But, you know, it'd be interesting to talk to more uh, of our players and hear more from them on how playful they find it to be. Right. Um, I also wanted to make a comment that, like, I, I normally stop playing board games like when they exit the playfulness zone like after you know x number of plays through the game like it stops being playful and it seems like okay now i'm gonna have to start calculating basically um, yeah to keep playing this game um and the vast majority of board games don't not last nearly as long in the playfulness zone as dragon bridge has for me um mm. so yeah yeah, yeah, same with me. I mean, it's definitely it's in the top, you know, five probably for me in terms of most played board games. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, I find it like average-ish board game or Euro games uh, last like around maybe ten plays or so. Like yeah. the really good ones last like twenty to thirty plays. Yeah, and like the best games of all time get like beyond fifty or something like that. And I've played Dragon Bridge, like I was saying, like two hundred plus times. So that's like wildly further ahead, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I also will say that like if I had all my games that I've ever made laid out in front of me, I would definitely pick Dragon Bridge to play. And this is after having just played 
tons and tons and tons of matches. Like we've been because we've been sort of like hammering matches over the last few months because part of it was to do playtesting for the BGA yep. adaptation. Uh, part of it was I think we were both like pretty just pumped to to play it in that way. But you know, part of it was like, well, we sh- really should you know to make sure that it's in a good state. And then we've been doing these tournaments, and so I've just been playing so much. And there was a couple times where I was like, am I a little bit burned out on the game? Like I've had like a few you know like days where I was like, ah, I think I'm like maybe approaching a burned outness but then like i just kind of kept playing and i'm still enjoying it so like there's a i don't know there's like a basic um there's a basic fun of the game that's like kind of hard for me to fully put my finger on which is sort of annoying as you know i feel like that's my job is to also be able to explain why things are fun but like um it's kind of it's that's another thing i've noticed through the bga phase has been I don't think this game should be as fun as it is. Like, if you just look at the components and the rules and stuff, like, we've come up with already some stuff where, okay, yeah, like, you know, it is elegant, it it is pretty good in the playfulness sense and stuff, but I don't know, there's another way I can look at it, and I'm like, it's just this grid, and there's a threat thing that moves back and forth, and you're just bumping each other back and forth. Like, I don't know, I guess I, I, guess I could see that being, like, pretty fun. Like... That sounds like it could be like fun in the way that like Pong is fun or something like that, like that level. But then when you play it, it's it's way more fun than I don't know. I it's when you play it, it's more fun than I feel like it ought to be, and I'm not exactly sure why that is the case. I got a couple theories for that if you want to hear. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, one is like the content efficiency thing that I was talking about earlier. Like I think it does a really good job of like with not that much content like creating a huge amount of variety of game states mm-hmm. um, or context, basically. So that's one thing. We kind of talked about that a bit already. Um, but I think that's that's very important for me in terms of like continuing to enjoy playing a game over a longer period. And then the second thing that I think it does really well is um, it has kind of like multi multiple axes of victory uh, that you compete on. Um, so one is like kind of like, you, you know, either directly pursuing either the bump, the pounce victory or the escape victory. But then, if you're not doing well on that thing, you can kind of pivot into either like, uh, well, like a, an econ type of strategy, kind of roughly. And there's kind of even multiple ways to do that, like pivoting into like gaining gems uh, and getting items, or you can kind of pivot into like accumulating a bunch of white gems. Especially if like there are certain bridge hacks uh, in the market, like wormhole or something, it can be like a strategy kind of in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and so. You know, and some cool characters where... also have their own sort of strategies too, right? And so the thing that's cool about that is like it never feels like well, not never, but it it vastly reduces the amount of times where you feel like you're just screwed uh, because if you're down on one axis, axis, often you can pivot into competing on something else, hmm. um, and so it's not just like comparing you know, our raw efficiency engines directly and seeing who has the better one. It's like, okay, so you're doing better on this. I'm going to go do something else and pressure you into maybe changing your thing. And then, you know, it's kind of more interactive or or there's a dance to it. And it's less like, I don't know, mathy, worky and judgmental, I guess. Yeah. That is one thing is that, that I've noticed with dragon bridge is that it's, you know, and this is another tough game design thing, I think, to nail down, which is, uh, you know, making sure that it's not over till it's over, right? Like, sure. once the game is over, in terms of, like, 
well, there's only so many ways it can go from here, and you're definitely going to lose. Uh, how how far is the distance between that moment, you know, where it's more or less determined that you're going to lose, and the game actually ending? And Dragon Bridge, partially because of the dragon switching dynamic, and maybe a couple of other dynamics, is um, is is pretty good in terms of like not being over until it's over. Like, I, there's you know. There are definitely times where it's like, oh, okay, I can see in like one or two turns I will die, um, but um, that's that to me is a healthy amount, like a healthy distance between the I know I'm dead and the game ending. And frankly, a lot of the times it you don't know it until like the turn it happens, which maybe brings me into another. I don't know if I would say a critique of Dragon Bridge, but like I just I have this like, uh, uh, like sort of like nagging question about how random the game is um and and that is something that's very difficult to determine um for games i think um like weirdly weirdly difficult to determine but um you know and so like on the one hand we have a situation where like okay mundungu is just like not no one's he no one can touch him he does not bleed uh and that sort of suggests that the game is not very random um but I think that it can also be true that, like, okay, yeah, if somebody is playing at that level, then it's not very random. But then for most players, you know, at, at your intermediate levels of skill, um, it is maybe very random because they're just not they're not thinking about these higher level kind of things. But then I guess if you use that metric, then almost every game like chess is super random, right? Right. Yeah, so it's maybe, very difficult yeah. to determine how much skill versus luck exists in a game in any objective way. Um, it basically, like, it ends up being you have to analyze one by one, like, the the different skills that are being brought to bear and, like, each decision that was made and stuff like that. Like, there's no way to, like, do it mathematically, as far as I can tell, um, mm-hmm. and, and objectively. Like, it, it, you have to debate it out subjectively and aesthetically. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I do think, I think like sometimes I have experienced some players who, when they first start playing the game, they're like, oh, this game just seems like a card drawing contest. And like, oh, you drew fireball, so you win, you know? And like, uh, or like, I drew all crappy cards or something like that game. And I think that after they play for like three or four more times, that fades off because they recognize that like, almost all the cards are like, you know, good in various uh, situations. And like, even if you do have a quote, crappy hand, that's going to change in the next like three or four turns. Um, And there are things you can do, you know, to like, to get specific cards. There's all kind. there's many ways to, if you need a specific type of card, like there's ways to pull them out of the nest and things like that. Um, And so I, I don't know. There, there's, I, 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 yeah. I just, I kind of wonder. For me, I will say it doesn't feel like a really random game. Um, and some of that is aesthetic. Like, um, it doesn't feel like even Puzzle Strike has this thing where, you know, did I draw my crash gem at a critical moment? Um, which to me does feel pretty random. Like I think actually most of puzzle strike is like in a healthy zone of randomness, um, where it's like, yes, it's random, but it's within these parameters. And a lot of it is also deterministic, blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas the crash gem thing to me sort of always like feels like this spike of randomness that comes right at the end. 
Um, whereas I, I don't really feel that with Dragon Bridge. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I guess, you know, I'll just ask around and see what people think of that. But I just, I, you know, there's this little part of me, especially because, like, I've had, I've, I've had, I'm actually glad that Mundungu is, like, just crushing it so hard. Because if it weren't for that, I've definitely had moments where I was like, you know, like, I've won a tournament before, which was very surprising to me. I think you've won one. Um, uh, and it sort of felt, and it sort of felt like, anyone can win one which sort of makes it feel more random so i've had these thoughts before about this uh this recent episode definitely makes me feel like it's 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 less actually random uh than i feared well that kind of veers into some, like a pet topic of mine actually like uh like depth versus skill compensation basically mm-hmm. which i've been talking about with uh seth a bunch on the discord yeah um uh, Seth Jaffe, the designer of Eminent Domain, among mm-hmm. other games. Um, but yeah, so anyway, we, we were talking about um, like the definition of depth, basically, um, and like how we should define depth in games. Um, and I kind of feel like it's important that depth uh, is just about like the different ways that a player can optimize, uh, like playing better, basically, like mm-hmm. the, um, and not about like how much those optimizations help your win rate, if that makes sense, or your chances of winning this match, say. Yeah. Um, because then it makes it difficult to talk about, like, very high depth, very high... or And very high variance games, like poker, for example. Um, because there's tons to learn and study and improve at in poker, right? Sure. Uh, I think that's hard to debate, right? Like, there are people that are much better at poker than other people. But at the same time, it's also very high variance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting back to like our uh, the idea about like determining how much luck is in a game or like how much or or more importantly like how much depth is in a game, right? Yeah. Like the thing is, you can imagine a game here. Like, do a thought experiment with me for a second. So like, you can imagine a game where there's like a thousand different ways to like optimize your your chances of winning this particular game, right? There's like a thousand different things you could do that would that would be better, right? Skills that you could develop, but each of them only results in like a point zero 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 one percent increase in your chances of winning right Mm -hmm. so it's like it's very unlikely to even affect the outcome of this match right sure but it is like better than not doing it you know yeah and so you could like prove that there were like a thousand different ways to optimize in this game but they only like give a a slightly different win rate right but then we would have to play like thousands of matches for that to like show up in the statistics of our win rates right yes and so for me, like it's much more important that those things are in the game, like the things to improve at and learn, than for the game to reflect that in the outcome. And so, like, like the important thing for me in Dragon Bridge is that, like, there's things that I can do better at, you know, or or that remain interesting or whatever. Um, but in the course of you know, even though we've played a whole bunch of tournaments and stuff, and and a whole bunch of matches within those tournaments, it's still you know a relatively small sample set of like you know games in terms of like like it or i guess what i'm driving at is like it doesn't really matter to me as much whether the outcome of the game is like quote-unquote fairly derived Mm -hmm. but what matters is that like there's enough meat left on the bones of the game for it to remain interesting if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah Um, yeah i I think think so dragon bridge does a good job of that um and so you know if if you and I win a tournament every so often, uh, I don't see, think that that's a a knock against the game. In fact, I think that's kind of a nice thing. 
and we can kind of still all know like who the best players are you know it, yeah. it also does that yeah i think that it is probably i'm trying to think like other than 100 rogues which is a you know traditional roguelike and it's very it's very random i think that dragon bridge represents my biggest like sort of embrace of randomness and part of that is because of its 18 card origin where originally it had it didn't have the bridge hacks it did it had two characters it didn't have as many cards it was just like very 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 simple and i knew that it would need a good amount of like you know state variance in order to work at all um and i so i think that for me it's it's probably the game where i most embraced randomness and uh, you know part of that is you know in understanding it in a different way and understanding that like randomness is not the problem but more like lack of depth is the problem a lot of the times um right you know, when we go back to our classic examples that we would talk about randomness using, um, something like XCOM, for example. Sure. Um, you know, XCOM, like the 2012 uh, varieties, like, my problem with it is not actually so much the whole, like, missing concept, necessarily, as much as it is that represents a large chunk of what you can do in the game, is just shoot, right? right. Like, there's, there's not, like it's not like you have a large number of options. So like, so what I'm saying in a sense is that XCOM is like, you know, relatively shallow actually. And that's more of the issue that I have with it than the actual randomness itself. Right. And it's not like the variance in that, like the hit or miss uh, example. Like it's not like the variance is producing, uh, it's producing one outcome, like hitting that like is moving the game state forward and like where something's happening. Sure. And one that's kind of like feels more that it's like it just the system ate your input and it doesn't yes. care about what you did or whatever. And it's nothing interesting happened. Like in fact nothing happened at all. Right. <laughs> I guess, yeah, like, I you mean lost, you lost your action point. And even which if is, you like, hit not satisfying, right? Yes, yes. And even if you hit, like that is satisfying because you removed an alien, but you actually have made the state a little like less interesting. So that's goes to right. back to our like actor removal things. Whereas you, when you compare that to like a bump in Dragon Bridge, you know, it, you have not made things less interesting. You've like it, it's uh, I guess it's not well, yeah, you could say a bump in Dragon Bridge is kind of random, right? Because you randomly drew a fireball or you randomly drew a gale, right? Um, right. And so the, if you were intending to bump, the distance is sort of random. But in either case, we're left with a state that is, um, you know, more complex and more interesting. There's now this other card in the nest that's informing things. And, right. you know, they're in a different position. And and so, so yeah, that that's, I think it's like, I guess, you know, in my early days of talking about randomness, I, I focused too much, I think, on the actual randomness itself and the nature of the randomness and not enough on these other properties that we're talking about now. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if, it, if it's contributing to, like, a variety of game states and, a, and an entry, uh, you know, a different... Like if it, yeah, if it's changing the game state in a way that remains interesting, um, then that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. But in XCOM, it's like either the game state is simpler now because you've done actor removal or there was no change. So it's like, right. yeah, that's just not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So we're coming up on an hour. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about like what what is the future of uh, Dragon Bridge? Um, and yeah, like what, what do we have in, in, in mind? Like my vision for it would be um to slowly iterate on it over the next like year or so my my 
hour next year or so in game development is is pretty booked up anyways um but uh what's it called for the next year or so just slowly chip away at, at a second edition which we've already started sort of quietly implementing some second edition rules we've made a tweak to one item and one character um that we're kind of standing out as a little bit too strong and also not interesting enough uh when combined especially um and so we've made some minor second edition tweaks are up on the bga now um and so i think our plan is to like slowly chip away at those maybe over the next year or so and then maybe someday do a full-on dragon bridge uh second edition kickstarter with uh with like maybe even with new art if i can figure out a good way to get a budget for that or whatever or you know we'll see but um that's kind of my my vision for it yeah, that sounds sweet to me. Like, I think the game is in such a healthy state right now, design-wise and development-wise, that like, I think the approach of like going pretty slowly, uh, like we've been doing with the small second edition tweaks, is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy with the way that like the specific tweaks that we did to Abigail and Loom have been uh, playing out so far. Like, I think that they improve the game. Uh, they don't make they don't invalidate either of those options either. Like Abigail, I think is still a strong character. And I think loom is still an attractive item. Mm-hmm. It's just, they don't feel, and it's not like they broke the game before either. Like, it's not like it was impossible no. to beat either of them. It just feels like they're more in line with the other options that you might pick. Like it's not so, it felt like they were like a default option yes. too often. Um, uh, whereas now it's much more contentious, I guess. Yeah, and well, the Abergale, I mean, we'd have to go more too much into the details, but the change that we made, we made a very subtle change yeah. that actually made her far more interesting as a character yes. uh, by yep. removing one of her two powers. She had one power that was like, uninteresting and great Wrong. and then she had yeah. one, one power <laughs> that was interesting and less good than the other power so you never ever ever picked it right yep yeah it's actually an interesting decision taking a card from the nest like yeah who knows what to pick it's hard to know <laughs> yeah awesome cool. Um, well, yeah, so we're currently finishing up our third Dragon Bridge, uh, BGA, uh, tournament. I have been knocked out of it, sadly, but, uh, you're still in it, right? Uh, yeah, I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth. I, I imagine I'll be knocked out pretty shortly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping one of y'all can, uh, can make, uh, Mundungu, uh, bleed, bleed. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be doing more tournaments uh, in the future. Definitely come by the Discord and check the game out. I do think that the game has, up until this point, not... You know, it's the level of which it's good and the level of like attention that it has gotten have been like... Uh, annoyingly out of sync uh for in my opinion like i I really think it's it's something special i think you know part of that's like it's really hard to market a board game that's already come out part of that's like the art is uh (laughs) i made all the art by the way in like you know four or five months or whatever all by myself basically so it's it's i don't think it's bad but i do think it's very like eyeball laser and like intense and an acquired taste i guess you would say yeah it's kind of like very different and like unexpected so yes yeah some people aren't into that yeah yeah it's it's rather wild um so i but in any case i i definitely recommend people check the game out um and that's not just something i would say about all my games um don't check out escape the omnicronom uh (laughs) probably don't check out chess mix um 
but yeah, uh, do check out uh, Dragon Bridge, and I hope uh, we'll see you in a future tournament. Cool. Cheers, everybody. All right, thanks so much, Brett, and uh, we'll be back on again with a show where we talk about some other game. Uh, I don't know if we've discussed what that'll be yet, but we'll figure that out, and we'll hopefully get back to a more regular schedule uh, in the coming you know, weeks. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks again, Brett, and I'll see y'all next time.